Hello and welcome again to another episode of Locked in Science, our ongoing saga of recording the show from the safety of our own homes. And for anyone listening in Victoria, obviously we have had another level of restrictions imposed on us which keeps us at home, but we were all happily at home making radio anyway. And who are we? Well, I'm Stu and... On the show with me this week, we have Claire. And Claire, what have you brought in for us this week? Well, Stu, um, we might be in different levels of restriction and lockdown across Australia. Um, Our borders might be, um, you know, might be shut. But it is National Science Week um, from the 15th to the 23rd of August. And national, it means everyone's celebrating. And I think this... This year, more than any other year, it is a National Science Week because most of the events are online and anyone can take part and um, it's going to be a very fun old time. So I'm going to talk you through some of the things that you can do online for National Science Week this this year um, and um, some of the ways that you can celebrate regardless of where you are. Fantastic. And we have back with us again this week, Chris has returned Hello. And Chris, what have you got for us this week? Well, thanks, Stu. Yes, I have been away. Um, look, like most things that have unexpected things that have happened this year, my departure or my absence was due to the coronavirus. Um, I have had the coronavirus and so has my partner, Kaylee. If you remember from previous episodes, she is also currently pregnant with twins. So, yeah, this got rather serious, hence my um, not being here for a, a few weeks. So, look, yeah, I just thought I would talk a bit about what happened just to give kind of a personal perspective on this COVID-19 thing. So it's kind of it's more anecdote rather than data. And we all know data is not the plural of anecdote. Is that correct? Yes, but I imagine, Chris, um, when it's you, you have um, you have looked at the data and the evidence as well. I'm sure there'll be some lots of science in there as well as your, your anecdote. I'll squeeze as much in as I can. I think probably what more <laughs> I'll do is just call back to things that we have discussed so far this year because we have talked about this coronavirus quite a lot. And, yeah, it was interesting to see, I guess, some of that stuff in action and see how things really do work. Well, it sounds like uh, another big show for us. So uh, stay tuned for those stories. So, everyone, it is National Science Week or Science Christmas, uh, as it is known to be called, uh, sometimes by me, by us, I think, (laughs) Science Christmas. Mostly by you. Mostly mostly me, Mm. yeah. Um, It is coming up again uh, from August 15 to August 23rd. Yeah, that's right. So a global coronavirus pandemic does not stop the science or the National Science Week, um, or our listeners' ability to engage with excellent scientific research from all across Australia. And even though our states and territories seem like they are more separated than ever, uh, and you know the borders are more shut than they have been in a very long time, when it comes to National Science Week, there is so much online, and a lot of it, and a lot of it is more accessible than it has ever been. Um, Because this year there are no longer, you know, the big events that are happening in major cities or the CBD, 
everything is happening in a virtual space, which means that everyone, um, regardless of whether you're living in a major city, whether you're in a regional area, whether you're rural or remote, um, you can get involved. Uh, so this week, I thought I'd give you a bit of a roundup for some of the things that um, sort of uh, inspired me for National Science Week that everyone can enjoy. Um, but let me just say, and I'll say it again at the end, that you need to jump on scienceweek.net.au because there are hundreds of things happening out there. So this is just a little bit of a taster. Um, Barely even scratching the surface. Oh, it doesn't even touch the sides, Stu. Exactly. And, you know, I have, um, I have, some, I have very different interests to say... Um, Chris, about things that I would want to, science, to, to, go and, to go and do during National Science Week. It is all science. Um, and first up is an experience that has been quite high on my list of must-see things to do in Australia for a while. So on Monday, August 10, you can go on board for a live virtual excursion of the RV Investigator. Ooh. Have you guys heard of the RV Investigator before? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think we've yeah. interviewed a few scientists who've been on the RV Investigator. I think we might have, and maybe I think from the Melbourne Museum. I have Museum. somewhere on my yeah. shelf a polystyrene cup that was sent down to the bottom of the ocean and crushed by the pressure from the RV Investigator. Do you really? Yeah. Wow, that is quite an artifact, Chris. That's, um, yeah, very impressive. Um, so, yeah, the RV Investigator, it is Australia's 94-metre long ocean-going research vessel. Um, it, it sails the high seas doing some very cool science. And the ship is purpose-built for marine research. So it has all types of scientific capabilities, biological, oceanographic, geological, atmospheric, um, as well as maritime training, education and outreach activities. And normally it, acc it accommodates around 40 researchers and technicians, as well as 20 crew. Uh, and it has an, an endurance day of about 60 days and 10,000 nautical miles with, without resupply. But for this Science Week, I imagine that the crew is going to get a whole lot bigger uh, in the virtual space, which will be very exciting. So that is definitely something I'm going to get on board with on August 10. Um, now, another event that I'm really looking forward to is called Fighting Fake News and Phonies. Now, this is going to be a live webinar on Wednesday, August 12th, 12th. and um, it's sort of, I think, probably required viewing right now um, in these exceptional times with a lot of fake news out there and um, a lot of us spending a lot more time on the internet and getting our... Um, you know, getting our news from potentially social media sites and and whatnot. So this webinar has brought together an exceptional panel of scientists and engineers, science communicators, and they're really going to hash out how technology fuels the issue of fake news and how we may be playing a role in the spread of inaccurate information. So definitely something to watch out for. So that's the evening of Wednesday, August 12th for um, Fighting Fake News and Phonies. Who, who's that run by? That is run by a group called That Science um, and Edge Radio. That sounds excellent. And I'm, um, and I'm really looking forward to um, listening to that webinar. Something a little bit more left field um, that's not a webinar and is for anyone 
who has ever wondered what a stick insect inspired choreography would look like and probably anyone who hasn't wondered that but here's the word stick insect and um, choreography and you know uh, maybe thinks hmm slow. I want to know more <laughs> slow <quite> slow <laughs> I wonder, I, I wonder, it would certainly like, I don't know, I'm just sort of um, for everyone listening at home, sort of like rocking back and forth, looking like a eucalypt, um, just sort of uh, moving in the breeze, Where just like Claire a stick go? insect does. Where did Claire <laughs> I used Such to amazing have... amazing camouflage. I, <laughs> I used to have stick insects as pets, so I, um, I used to do my own stick insect inspired choreography, so I feel like I'm pretty well versed on that anyway um this event it's a science gallery melbourne event along with chunky move dance company and um it will be presenting a video artwork that's one part movement experiment one part android and one part stick insect now i don't really know what the outcome is going to be um but i really love this concept and it's a collaboration between choreographer Pru lang artist Mathieu Briand and evolutionary biologist Mark Elgar. So it will be available to watch over and over as many times as you want throughout National Science Week. Um, yeah. Until, who needs TikTok? Who needs TikTok? You can just watch this as many times as you want and um, until you work out where the stick insect finishes and the humans begin. <laughs> now, I told you I was going to talk through national events but I did want to put one in here. This is a special one because I love it so much. Um, it's for our Tasmanian friends um, who have ever wanted to make a sourdough starter and also contribute to a public science experiment. So this Science Week, Tasmanians have the opportunity to make a sourdough starter. Um, and while they're doing that, they will also be contributing to the Wild Sourdough Project, which is run by the Public Science Lab in North Carolina. So they will be actively contributing to help unravel some of the mysteries of the complex microbial world in sourdoughs. And I think I did, might have done a story about sourdoughs at the start of the pandemic when everyone did, yes. was, was making them. And um, yeah, so this is this is a nice chance for, for those, I guess, uh, pandemic ISO habits to come in handy um, and help science along the way. So tickets are $5 and once you register, you'll be able to find out where you can access your sourdough starter pack, um, which the organizers are providing. And just like all of the events I've mentioned, you can get tickets through the website scienceweek.net.au. Um, and of course, last but not least, I would be very remiss uh, to not mention one of my favorite events of National Science Week, the Cinema Film Festival. Um, yes, that's right. Cinema, the largest science film festival in the Southern Hemisphere, will be showcasing the best in science cinema from around the world. Uh, you can sign up to watch this year's selection of cinema films for free during August. So pause your iView or Netflix or whatever it is and jump on cinema for some sciencey goodness. Um, Do we know what to expect this year? Yeah, there's a couple that uh, stand out for me. There's one on the science of meditation, which is a year-long journey of one science communicator around the world to put the idea of meditation and mindfulness to the scientific test. 
and um, explores her journey on that. And another one which um, stole my heart, even though I haven't seen it and I've just read the um, just read the synopsis of it. But uh, it is a what looks like an incredible story of scent detection rats who are used to rid the world of landmines. So this is just a couple, you know, just a couple of um, things that you can get involved in this National Science Week. There are hundreds of online events um, and so many scientists going digital for Science Week this year. So jump onto scienceweek.net.au and check them out for yourself. Yes, this is Chris, and as I said in the introduction, my partner Kaylee and I have both had COVID nineteen, which kind of feels like one of those uh, no shameful things to be admitting. But there is a lot of it going around, apparently, and yeah, I guess our experience shows what can happen when you get it, but also that pretty much you can think you're being careful and you can still get this disease, and it can be very serious as well. And Chris, did you did did you ever figure out where you might have contracted it? No, um, I was contacted by the government, the government health department, and their contact tracers and that sort of things. They just walk you through people you've been close to for more than fifteen minutes in the past couple of weeks, and was not able to figure out anywhere anyone else identified who has had the same virus. So I have no idea. So, Chris, does that mean you would be one of those, like, two and a half thousand that the Victorian government has said that, you know, got it through community transmission then? I would imagine so. And, yeah, now this is an interesting thing itself. Like, we've talked a bit on the show right since the start of this pandemic about how our knowledge of how the coronavirus spreads, how that has changed. Um, You know, first of all, there was some research about how long it lasted on surfaces and everyone was looking at how... That was an important part of the transmission of droplets on surfaces. More recently, we've learned more about how it can spread through the air, and this comes into then research into why masks are effective. But anyway, it could have actually been either one of those. You know, I could have breathed it in somewhere, I could have touched a contaminated surface and then not done the hand hygiene properly. I don't know. It's hard to know. That does make me very wary of leaving the house, though. Understandable. Yes. So yeah, look, I I got the virus first. I started showing symptoms about the last weekend in June. I had uh, I had a headache. I had some kind of you know muscle aches and pains. What I didn't have though were the classic symptoms that they list on the website. So the main ones are like fever and chills, a cough, a sore throat, uh, shortness of breath. Um, they've added runny nose and a loss of a sense of smell or taste. So you know Victoria is currently with his testing 
approach is focused on testing people with those symptoms. They're not really uh, encouraging the testing of asymptomatic people. So at first, I wasn't sure that I should get tested when I had these symptoms because I didn't fit the criteria necessarily. But with Kaylee's pregnancy, we have a lot of medical appointments. And so I wanted to be able to attend those appointments. I wanted us to both be able to attend them. So I wanted to know for sure. Um, plus, eventually, I did develop a very mild sore throat. So I was able to honestly declare I had the symptoms and I went and got myself tested. It did take though another seven days to get my test result. Now, this is a thing that a lot of people have brought Seems up. Seems like a long time. It was a long time. Now the government is constantly telling us that it only takes a couple of days. It's much quicker than that. And they also say how they've res increased their resources. Yeah, I mean, in my experience, I've been tested um, a couple of times now and it came back between 24 and 48 hours, so. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it sounds very variable. It is. Look, it is quite variable. I mean, they did kind of indicate to me that perhaps because it was positive, they took a bit longer to verify it. Um, but look, I don't know. This was uh, quite a few weeks ago. The situation may have changed by now. I can't really speak to what the current timeframes are. All I can say is how long it took for me to get my result, which, as I said, was seven days. Um, and by that time, then... My um, by the time I got my test result, I had mostly improved my symptoms. I had developed that kind of loss of the sense of taste and smell, which is kind of a weird thing. There's sort of this vaguely metallic taste in my mouth and I couldn't really smell too much. Um, so that was kind of one of the classic symptoms there that I had developed. However, by this time, wow. Kaylee was also quite sick and... It took her a few more days to get her positive test result as well. Didn't take as long mm. as me, but we were pretty sure before that she got it because I had tested positive. We were pretty sure that she had the same thing. And yeah. she did end up having it a lot worse than me. She had fever. She was really struggling to breathe. Um, so she was put on the Royal Melbourne Hospital's home monitoring program where they kind mm. of keep an eye on your symptoms remotely. But eventually, yeah, her symptoms got so bad that they had to send an ambulance to admit her to hospital. Um, oh, that's awful. Yeah, once she got there, um, they, they transferred her to the intensive care unit. Um, they gave her oxygen, but she needed more and more. And by that night, they had made the call to put her on a ventilator. That sounds like it happened very quickly. It was a very rapid seeming decline. Yeah, totally. Because she had been kind of saying, no, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, even when the paramedics came to collect her, they weren't so sure that she needed to go into hospital. But it was pretty clear once she got there that she, yeah, she was getting worse very quickly. Um, and yeah, this is kind of one of the things we've learned in this whole process is the unpredictability of this virus. And you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, so she spent the next 10 days in intensive care um, sedated with the tube down her throat, which is a lot longer than we expected. Um, they're, they're very cautious about taking the vent, getting off the ventilator simply because of this worry about what the virus will do. And this is also, I guess, looks at... Sorry. Um, it's quite an invasive, invasive procedure, is it? Yeah, look, it is quite invasive and hence the sedation because it's not a very comfortable thing to have a breathing tube down your throat. Uh, and that was kind of one of the, I won't go into the details, but that was one of the obstacles with getting her off the ventilator is getting the sedation uh, removed cleanly as well. This is the kind of thing, though, that um, it's kind of the bread and butter 
in ICU as well is ventilating people. It's something they really know how to do. They have to be careful with COVID-19 because they don't know if people are going to require more breathing support once they get them offered. But in terms of managing that breathing support, I guess they know how to do that. And that's a fairly, for someone like Hayley who was young and otherwise healthy, that is a fairly stable situation to be in. Um, but yeah, look, it was really interesting how seeing the difference between her experience and mine, how the symptoms vary. I think Stu talked recently about different people's immune responses affects how they respond to the virus. Um, so for me, you know, at the worst, it was like a bad cold. Um, but yeah, as, as you can tell, Kaylee had um, a very bad time with it. Um, I actually recorded an interview with her. Uh, to, to ask her how she felt, which I will play for you guys now. This was recorded the day before she went into the hospital. And so it's, it's about a week after she started showing symptoms. Um, and this is kind of when she was pretty bad. We didn't really know how bad she was going to get. All right, I'm here with Kaylee, who, like me, has tested positive for COVID-19. Hello. How, how are you feeling? I'm going to whinge a lot. But I'm going to be honest, um, I don't know if I've ever felt this sick and depleted and breathless. I feel awful. <laughs> I told you I was going to whinge. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, can you please describe your symptoms? Sure. Um, <coughs> I'm getting really um, intense um, like shivers and chills and I'm almost 26 weeks pregnant with twins um, and so when I get those chills I tighten up my belly and that makes the babies very uncomfortable makes me uncomfortable um, all day today the room has kind of been shifting like I was gonna pass out so each time, I think I had a shower before and I had to sit down in the shower three times. And whenever I get up to do something, even if it's five minutes, I have to go lay down for at least 20 minutes after. You asked me what my symptoms were. Um, I'm getting, yeah, it's a really cold and then sometimes really hot. Um, but my fever hasn't been too bad. I think last night was the only time that we've noticed that it was at 40. Um, 38. 38. I thought it went up to 40. Oh. Yeah, that's okay. what we told the doctor. We told him 38. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else? A constant headache. Um, dry you cough. <clears throat> Do I have any other symptoms other than whinge? Uh, how's your breathing? Because people talk about shortness of breath. Sure. Um, I, got, I mean, I've been short of breath because of the pregnancy hormones, um, but I feel like I'm just... Um, the last week since I've had the symptoms, and they seem to be getting, over the last few days, like very shallow, quick breaths, and I just can't get... I mean, my oxygen is fine. That's being tested. Um, but I just feel like I can't get air into me properly. And, you know, I'm waking you up. You can hear it. Um, hearing myself um, near panting when I sleep. Mm. 
Do you feel like uh, they reassured you about the risks to the twins? I think they they have, but it's still so early. Like, we don't know a lot about COVID. And, you know, I, I think that any expectant parent would be worried um, mm-hmm. if they were pregnant with COVID. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I suppose that a lot of the symptoms may not even be as... Um, full on I'm 40 and pregnant with twins so don't have a lot of energy anyway um, but I just I just feel absolutely depleted so I imagine after this I'm going to go and have a have a snoring nap for about an hour <laughs> uh, and of course question do you know where you got your COVID-19 from? from you <laughs> 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 but it's not your fault. It's a global pandemic and it's highly contagious. Thank you for your That's understanding. Fine. Do you have any um, words or advice for people out Jesus. there? Um, I think that if the government is going to say to wear masks, to just do it. Mm. And I think that to begin with, <laughs> you know, I was really overly cautious. Um, but then I think like a lot of people... Um, you know, I stop washing my hands as often or as intensely or using the hand sanitizer. I think I became a little bit lax and, you know, if I was grocery shopping or at the chemist or something and if I felt like somebody wasn't um, adhering to the 1.5 metres, I'd kind of give them the, the look like back off man. Um, and I suppose that I hadn't been doing that as much, so... Um, I was really <coughs> shocked to find out that you had it, knowing how cautious you are. So um, the advice would be that they're not overreacting, the government, with the measures that they've put in place. They're clearly there for a reason. And, you know, you're not somebody who was mucking around with this pandemic. So and anybody can get it. And man, stop harshing people out on Facebook for being dirty COVIDs and breaking the rules because we weren't. (laughs) Thank you very much for talking to us. I hope you get better very quickly. Thank you. Me too. Um, Can I just say how brave Kaylee and you are? Um, Kaylee especially though. Um, What an incredible woman. Um, And yeah all our love to her and you and we're so glad that you guys are feeling better yeah look it's it's hard for me to listen to that because just hearing how much she's struggling to breathe there and knowing then how much worse it got yeah but i think it yeah it shows what it feels like and uh, certainly, yeah, a lot of people also have it a lot worse as well. And we are seeing the impact of that every day. Um, but yeah, no, Kaylee was, Kaylee was ultimately lucky. She was on the ventilator for 10 days, but she did get off it fine. She's recovering well. She got some amazing care from the Royal Melbourne Hospital in conjunction with the, the Royal Women's Hospital who are just nearby and they were keeping an eye on the babies. Uh, it was really good to see the best evidence-based care being applied. You know, I've talked to him before on the show about the COVID-19 guidelines a few months ago, and it's really good to see that that 
is all working, that knowledge that is in place is being applied. So Kaylee did receive the two main drugs that have been approved for COVID-19, which is the, um, the antiviral remdesivir and the steroid dexamethasone, which um, is there to help the breathing. We should point out there is very limited evidence for these or any other treatments in pregnancy. Um, but the, the COVID-19 evidence team, they've been looking at what evidence is there. Uh, and since the time that Kaylee went into hospital, they have now got recommendations for pregnant patients as well. But I imagine twins are still pretty unusual. And so they are keeping an eye on her uh, for scientific purposes. As I said, though, she's improving very fast. Um, there has been a lot of talk lately about the long-term complications some people are experiencing from COVID-19. But so far, it's looking like both she and I uh, are being lucky. Although, as I said, I've learned we can assume nothing about this virus and what will happen. So I have been wrong plenty of times before when I thought things are going to be getting better and they have not. So let's not just assume anything there. Um, but look, yeah, what I want, do want to say is that we are both really grateful to all the, the nurses and doctors and obstetricians and everyone else who's taken care of Kaylee. And I'm also really grateful to you guys for your support and understanding. Um, I think that in Melbourne now, everyone is going through a difficult time, but it is this kind of working together and supporting each other is what gets us through. And then working together is also what we need to end this community transmission and to beat the pandemic ultimately. That's all we've got time for for this week and we are literally rapidly running out of time. If you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, email us at 3cr at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. We are broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. And if you would like to tune in next week, Chris, Stu and Claire will get locked in. listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.